Well, good. Well, welcome back to our series, Change. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about the gospel and how the gospel impacts many parts, actually every part of our life. And so the last couple of weeks, we've talked about um, topics like how the gospel affects you, which is important, right? We've talked about how the gospel affects the church or impacts the church. We've talked to, last week, we talked about how the, um, the gospel impacts the family, and how the, a, a gospel-centered family, and we, we talked to you about what that looks like, what, what the power is in that, and how God wants to use that. And today we're talking about the gospel and my money. Get you some of that. <laughs> the gospel and my money. I didn't hear no amen. I just heard some mmm. Mmm. Our key verse for this whole series has been 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And it says this. It says that all, so all of us, who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Isn't that a good verse? Doesn't that really just apply to this whole series? We're becoming, he's making us more and more like him. That means you should never stop becoming more and more like Jesus. Right? If you stop growing spiritually, something's wrong. Right? For all of you gardeners, if, if, if something stops growing in your garden, what do you do? You go to see it. Is there something attached to it? Is it not getting what it needs? What's the problem? But God's intentions for us is to continue to become more and more like Jesus. We, we've talked about the verse where you've become a new creation. The old man is gone. The new man has come. Remember that verse? And it says this new life has begun. In other words, it's, it's taking off. And so since you've met Jesus, your life is taking off. And now it's going to continue to grow. Amen. So you should continue to grow. You should continue to change. Did I beat that horse long enough? No, I can keep going. But today we're talking about money. And, and we're going to I want to show you before we get really into the message. I really want to show you. What the world says about money. Now, if you know anything about the world, you know that the world says one thing about money that God usually says the opposite. The world says, hoard it, hang on to it, grab it, keep it for yourself, be selfish and stingy with it, because this is all you're ever going to get, right? And the gospel says, give it, <laughs> be content with what you got, and if you need some help, get some help, right? Isn't that what the gospel says? The gospel says to be generous and you're going to continue to get. The world says if you give, you're not going to get. So let me give you a few facts from the world that I just picked up this week. Just a few of them. And I just want you to see how different the world's view of money and God's view of money is. How many of you know who the highest paid athlete is in the world right now? Take a guess. Highest paid athlete in the world. Speak up. Huh? Nope. LeBron. Somebody said LeBron. Nope. Not LeBron. Nope. Nope. Floyd Mayweather is the highest paid athlete in the world right now. You know what he does? He boxes. This guy is 37 years old and he gets paid $105 million to get into a ring and fight somebody. I'm sorry, nobody ever paid me when I got in a fight. And I had some good ones, so I thought. But Floyd Mayweather's making $105 million as of June 2014. 
the average teacher in America, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, the average across America, it might actually surprise you, is $56,383. For the person who is responsible for educating our future, for the person who's speaking to the heart and the life and determining the future of, of, of America, the future of some of our children, they're only getting $56,000 a year on the average. And some local teachers would tell you, I wish we were average. <laughs> so if a teacher works 25 years, just say so they can retire 20 or 30, wherever they're, let's just say 25. If she works, that, or he works 25 years, they earn a whopping $1.4 million over 25 years. The guy who gets to put on some gloves with shorts and some funky looking boots and get into a ring and beat the Gahina out of somebody gets $105 million. And he's probably soon going to retire. Little off balance, maybe a little out of order, right? The U.S., in the U.S., the total consumer debt is $11.4 trillion. Consumer debt. That's us as consumers. We owe $11.4 trillion. On the average, each household with a credit card carries more than $15,000 in credit card debt. <laughs> the world says you can have what you want right now. You don't have to wait. You watch TV, right? How many of you watch TV? Credit card commercials come on, right? Why wait? Buy now. What about these furniture stores, right? Buy now. Pay no interest till 3064 <laughs> You're like, come on, man, right? Why? Because they want you to spend your money now. Why? Because they're creating this thing inside of you that says, I got to have it now. It's the same thing that was there when you was a kid and you had to have it now. You say, I don't have a problem making my kids wait. I got to wait. Why shouldn't they have to wait? Right? I don't want them to grow up with this now mentality that I got to have it now. Right? I mean, that's big numbers, isn't it? So the world says to you, why wait? You can have it now. You can buy it now. Most people, I mean, you, you don't have to wait. You, why wait? You can get it now, interest-free. Let me tell you what MasterCard says. This is one of their slogans. MasterCard says this. This is from years ago. It says, there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's MasterCard. Now, now since when did cash quit working? So they just lied to you. Right? For the things that money can't buy, <laughs> everything else, there's MasterCard. Visa says everywhere you want to be. It's just everywhere you want to be. I heard a story the other day. A guy, guy told me, he said, uh, he said, man, I had a credit card stolen the other day. I went, bro, did you get it back? I mean, what happened? He said, no, man, I got it back. Did you report it stolen? He said, no. I'm like, are you nuts? Well, what's the problem? He said, well, it's, it's been two weeks and I've been watching my, my balance online and 
the guy spends less money than my wife, so I just soon let it be missing. But um, bump up. Some of you just elbowed your wife. Told you. The world tells you that more money brings more happiness. Secular music today says that, right? Remember that song, "More Money, More Money, More Money" for all you rap heads, right? There was actually one rapper that came out. I forget his name. Uh, maybe Puff Daddy or something. He come out and he sang a song and said, "More money, more problems." I'm like, brother, got it right because he was broke and he cut some records and he got more money and he had more problems and he ended up dying over all that money. Cindy Lauper sang years ago. How many of you remember Cindy Lauper? I just got to know this. Oh, really? Come on. Cindy Lauper sang a song that money changes everything. How many of you remember the song that almost made Madonna famous? Material Girl? Yeah. Cool song, wasn't it? You can be honest. You're in church. It was a cool song. I mean, I used behind the scenes, but when my buddies wasn't around, I was singing Material Girl. Why did I just say that? But you see where it points? You see where it's just these little subliminal messages that just keep coming at us from the world that say you need to get it now, you need to buy it now, and then the more you have, the happier you're going to be. you got to get, 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 get while you can. I mean, if you remember the statement that came out years ago, he who dies with the most toys wins? Was that like 15 to 20 years ago? It, don't worry. It, you weren't even thought of. He who dies with the most toy wins. Most toys wins. Isn't that crazy? But it isn't the mentality of America today. That you got to buy. If, and if you can't afford it, just get it on credit. Something will happen, right? Some people believe, well, I'll just buy it. And you know what? If I can't pay for it, I'll just let it go. Let it go. The world tells you you will never have enough. When's the last time you heard somebody say, you know what? I got enough. And not because they were mad at you. But when you're talking about buying and and consuming things, when was the last time you heard somebody say, you know what? I've got enough. I'm good. Being an employee or an employer, I never one time had one guy come to me and say, you know what, boss? You're paying me plenty. I've got all I need. Not one time. Guys, I tried to help that. I I mean, I I just really cared for them. I wanted to help them. They said, man, you know, boss, I need some more money. I said, no, 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 no. You don't need no more money. You need to quit spending. Oh, no, boss, you you don't understand. Things are tight. No, no, I understand. Things are tight. But when's the last time you heard somebody confess that they had a spending problem instead of an earning problem? Isn't that the mentality of the world today? I know it is because I've been raised in it. I fell victim to it and have had to battle to get out of it. And it's an all-consuming thing. This thing will take over your life. They say one of, the, one of the greatest reasons for divorce is money. So that's, that's what the world tells you. That you got to have more. You got to have it now. And that more is going to make you happy. But isn't it a lie? Right? Isn't it a lie? I mean, because honestly, the more you have, the more you're responsible for. Right? The more you got to take care of. That's all fine and dandy what the world says. And if we're not careful and we listen to the world, then we're going to end up falling into this trap and thinking that direction and then spending our money that direction. And then the Bible says that we become a slave 
an actual slave. Some of you are going, I feel like slavery right now. But we become an actual slave, which is totally opposite of what God's plan was for us. God's plan for for us was to be the, the lender and not the borrower. The Bible says that. It says you should be the lender and not the borrower. Come on. It never said you should be in so much debt that you can't even help yourself. Right? So the gospel says, let me give you a little bit of good news. The gospel says, look at Proverbs 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says this. It says, to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So the Bible says to honor the Lord with your wealth. In other words, the way you use it is going to either honor him or it's going to dishonor him. Come on, somebody. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first things or the best things that you produce. Then he says, then you will fill your barns with grain. I'm sorry. He said, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. But what do we do? We try to fill our own barns. Right? Come on. Let's be honest. I'm guilty. I've I've been trying for years to fill my own barn. And in trying to fill my own barn, I end up dishonoring God. Because I I become a slave. I become bound down by money, by credit, by all these other things. Right? And so then my life becomes dishonoring because I'm in bondage now. When Christ died on the cross to set me free. Right? He died on the cross to set me free, but I'm putting myself back into slavery. So the first way we honor God with our finances is, number one, to seek financial wisdom. That's a good one, right? Seek financial wisdom. What does that mean? It means you've got to go ask somebody for help. <laughs> Not a bailout. For some wisdom. Right? One, I remember being in debt as... As a young married couple, we were both making about 80000 a year. We were in a brand new house, paying for Cheryl's college. Each had both brand new cars. And, and we, had, we, had more, we were making more money than we were spending, actually. And then I had this bright idea that she needed to quit working and stay home and take care of the kids. It was actually a mutual agreement. And we, we felt it was something that God wanted us to do. So we decided to do it on paper. It wasn't going to work. So but we stepped out in faith and did it. Before you knew it, I was riding a bicycle to work, and we were struggling. Now, God met us. We never missed anything, but he met us, but it was tight. How many of you know, how many of you have been there? When God's like, he's, he's giving that little piece of head from heaven just every day, and you go, oh, God, thank you, right? And I remember sitting down with the guy that was discipling me, and I said, man, look, I, I, said, man, I just need some help, man. I said, honestly, I said, man, we just, we ain't making it, man. I mean, can you help me? And he gave me the greatest wisdom I'd ever heard in my life up until that point. This will set some of you free. If you're spending more than you're making, you got a problem. I sat back in my line. I sat back in my chair and went, wow. That is so good. I'm serious. I mean, I know it's funny and it makes me look dumb, but I was dumb. I had no wisdom on finances. I just thought as long as I, as long as I keep making, I can keep spending. I heard a story one time of a lady who started bouncing checks and her husband called up and said, baby, what are you doing? 
She says, I'm shopping. He said, you got to quit. We're out of money. She says, no, we ain't out of money. We still got checks. She thought as long as she had checks, she had money. We need to seek financial wisdom. Stating Proverbs chapter 3, going into verse 13. Let me show you what the Bible says about wisdom real quick. It's verse 13. It says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom. The one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Talking about wisdom. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold to her tightly. We need wisdom. The Bible is clear that if we need wisdom, we just ask for it and God gives it to us. Right? Isn't that what the Bible says? If you need wisdom, ask for it. We learned that in James. Ask for wisdom and it will be given to you. The first thing you got to do is humble yourself and realize that you got a problem with finances. You need to realize, and hopefully you're realizing, some of you are realizing that today, that you know what, my finances aren't honoring the Lord. I'm really a rogue spender. I'm really a rogue servant. I just, this is my money. That's your first problem. This is my money, and I can go do what I want with my money. Some of you even believe that as long as I tithe, the rest of it's mine, and I can do what I want with it. The Bible says God owns it all. Come on, somebody. He owns it all. So what does that mean? Yeah, you need to tithe. You need to give offerings. You need to do those things because that's obedience to God. But then you need to have his wisdom on the rest of it. Because I promise you, what you have now is enough. It's enough. If you're running out, it's because you're spending too much. Amen? Ask him for his wisdom. Admit that you have a problem. Ask other people that are financially wise. Hey, can you help me? But first, you've got to admit that you have a problem. And then you've got to ask for help, which requires humility. And that just flows freely from us, doesn't it? I mean, just it's natural. Wisdom helps us become a, a godly steward of what he's given us. He trusts you with what you have right now. You've you got to get this. Whatever you have right now, whatever you're making a year right now, he trusts you with that. Can you be trusted with more? Yes, you can. As long as you have wisdom and you honor God with what you have. Right? At least once a year here at our Savior's Church, we offer some financial classes. We'll offer either Crown Financial Ministries or we'll even offer a Financial um, Peace University. Uh, which is one's uh, uh, Dave Ramsey and the other one's Crown Financial Ministries. And we offer those, and we've helped some people out. It's helped me out. I've taken the, as I've taught them, I've taken them just to try and help. <laughs> What's funny is most of us have, weren't taught how to deal with finances, right? I mean, I couldn't be taught how to deal with finances because I never had any. And, and I just want to tell you, the Lord told me, some of you here this morning, you're so tight, you ain't giving your kids no money to, to play with. 
You're not giving your kids any money to make a mistake with. You're not giving your kids a chance to make a little money so that they can make a mistake and learn a lesson before they get out in the world on their own. You see, the only lesson I had from my mom was she sat down and tried to teach me how to balance a checkbook one time for 10 minutes. Cheryl, did it work? No. Didn't work. That's all I had. I wish I would have had some money in my hands. And I wish you would have spent some time with me and we'd have had conversations about how to spend it or where to spend it. To tithe or not to tithe. I was never taught to tithe as a kid. Now, my kids, because I've learned this lesson and learned the reality of what I grew up in, I don't want to make the same mistakes. So I take my kids and they, they all have the power to earn money somewhere. Ethan cuts grass with me. He makes money. Virginia irons clothes. She makes money. Anna, who's the youngest, can't get out the house and make money. She washes the dog. She gets five bucks every time she washes the dog, okay? I do it on purpose. Actually, it was my wife's deal. I was thinking five is too much, but <laughs> stupid dog. <laughs> Kick it outside in the rain. I mean, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Dog still has hair. Yeah, she's good. So, but they all have the power to earn money. But then that gave us an opportunity when you put money in their hands to teach them the principle of tithing. And of giving. And I just want to say, my kids go above their tithe. And man, it blesses my heart. I never told them they had to. I told them they could. You with me? The the last guest speaker we had when Pastor Villain was here, my son was pulling out money. I'm going, it touched my heart. Because he's starting to get it, right? So now they got money in their hands. We teach them how to spend it. Ethan wants to go buy rods and reels and guns. That's what that brother wants. Okay, and I'm going, son, think about it. And I give him a bit of wisdom, and then I let him make his decision. And when he falls flat on his face, I pick him up, and we talk about it. Amen? My kids are in the rabbit business right now. We had a little come to Jesus meeting yesterday about the rabbits because it wasn't working. They're out of money. They're bankrupt in the rabbit business. They got to come to Big Papa for a loan. Okay? So Big Papa wants to see a plan. I'm working the system with my kids, right? I'm being intentional. Why? Because I don't want them to be a slave. I don't want them to miss out on the financial freedom that I could have had from the get-go. I wasted 30-something years before I got it. I could have been blessing people. I could have been building the kingdom financially. I could have had peace in my life. If I would have just had some wisdom. That's why the Bible says you need to seek wisdom. It's precious. It's more precious than silver. Amen. It's vital, man. We got we to teach our kids how to spend money and how to take care of money and how to be a good steward and how to honor God with what they have. Right? My son asked me for a raise this year cutting grass he was like daddy i want to raise i'm like bro you know like this is only like your second summer man you can't hit me for a raise already so i made him work for it you know he had to convince me why he needed a raise and he needed a raise honestly i started him out a little cheap but it's okay i started out on 50 cents but so the first way to honor god is to seek financial wisdom the second way is to be content oh and that's a good word isn't it contentment 
Doesn't that just naturally feel good to your soul to be content? Any of you shaking your head, yes, you lying. Nobody wants to be content. That's the greatest lesson I'm learning in my life right now is to be content. You know what contentment is? Contentment is when you can honestly look in the mirror and say, you know what? I have enough. I have enough. I'm good. I'm good. You've heard me joke over the last several, probably the last year, that all my new friends are older men. I used to call them old men, but then they look at me funny when I say that. So they're older men, right? Trying to suave that a little bit. And they're older men that don't necessarily make a whole lot of money. But, man, they're happy. They got peace. They're not stressed out about anything. I walk into their life like a storm. I mean, I go to one buddy's house. He raises animals and all this stuff. And, man, he's always selling something on the side. His, his brother takes a PVC pipe, goes to the bayou, catches catfish, and he has a guy that comes and buys them, whether they're mud cats or good cats. I mean, just and he's just happy as can be, just la, la, la. And I'm like, man. So I come in. I'm like, hey, man, we can streamline this thing, man. You know, we, we get more pipes and go more places and get more catfish. And he's like, uh-uh. Mm-mm. I'm good. I have enough. I'm like, what? You have enough? Yeah, I have enough. What does that mean, you have enough? I have enough. And it's funny because God puts you with people that rub you the wrong way, doesn't he? I thank God for those men right now in my life because they're teaching me how to slow down. They're teaching me how to say, I've got enough. Be content. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting in verse 6. Look at what it says. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Contentment is itself great wealth. Godly contentment. That's great wealth. How is that great wealth? You know what that says to me now that I'm starting to learn what contentment is? Great wealth is that I got peace in my life. Great wealth is I can enjoy relationships now. I used to be a guy that would never give you the time of day to sit and visit with you. Okay, I wasn't a visiting kind of guy. I was like, I didn't have time for that. Okay, I'm learning the value of relationships where I can sit with somebody for a couple hours and just spend time with them. That's rich. Come on, somebody. That's rich. I got peace in my life. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not trying to worry about the next, the next check that's coming. Here's the fun. I'm sleeping better. I wasn't sleeping as good when I was making more money. Right? True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing in, nothing with us when we came into the world. You've heard that before, haven't you? And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But, there's a good but in the Bible. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. And are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Wow. 
A desire to be rich. When you fall in love with money, you fall in love in being rich. You, you're setting yourself up for, to walk into a trap. That could eventually take you away from Jesus. I know a lot of people that love God and went off and chased money and are no longer serving God. I'm a man that was headed that direction. I was headed that way. Fell in love with money. And my excuse was I want to make money to build the kingdom. <laughs> like the whole kingdom was dependent on me. Is there anything wrong with being rich? No. There's not a single thing wrong with being rich. There's a problem when you fall in love with money. Because it's the love of money that is the root of evil. It's a problem when you put God aside and you chase money. That's the problem. That's what we're talking about. You don't have to be worried about being rich. You just need to be concerned about staying in a relationship with Jesus. Amen? So be content. How many of you remember the story of the rich young ruler? Right? The rich guy. He comes up to Jesus. He says, hey, uh, uh, Rabbi, he says, uh, man, wh- what do I need to do? And Jesus is like, well, follow the Ten Commandments. I did that. Oh, great. Do that. I did that. Awesome. Jesus says, well, good. There's only one thing left to do. The guy goes, well, what's that? He says, sell everything you got, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And the Bible says that his face fell in sadness. Because he loved his money more than he loved God. And the Bible says he left and walked away sad. Jesus said, there's not but one more thing to do, son. Sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. So is that what he's saying to us today? Sell what you have, give it to the poor, and come follow him? Yeah, that's what he's saying to us today. So everybody's going to go home today, put up a fist for sale sign, <laughs> clearance sale, right? And we're just going to all meet up at the church after everything's gone, and we're going to follow Jesus. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But you know what he's saying? He's saying, in your heart, you need to sell everything. Everything that means something to you, you need to sell it. Sell it in your heart. Get rid of it. Release its power over your life. And say, Lord, I trust you with everything that I have. I trust you. This no longer has a grip on me. It's for sale. And I want to follow you. And some of you, you may need to sell something. You may be struggling financially. You need to get rid of something. Somebody might have to ride a bicycle to work like I did. I don't know. I mean, I don't pray that over you, but. The rich young ruler went away sad because he loved his money more than he loved his God. Go with me to Luke chapter 16. You getting something yet? You've heard a lot of messages on money, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Too many. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus speaking, Luke 16, verse 10. He says, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. Whew. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? 
No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God is saying you're going to have to make a choice today. You're either going to serve me and hate money, or you're going to serve money and hate me. That's plain and simple right there, right? How do you know what you're doing? By, by what consumes you. You know which one you're serving. The Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure is also. If you want to find your heart, find your treasure. Right? So which one are you serving? Are you serving God or are you serving money? Because he says you're going to hate one and, and serve the other. And then he says, how, how can you be trusted with more if you're not taking care of what you have now? That's kind of like your employee coming to you and saying, hey, I need a raise. And they ain't been to work on time one time. And you look at them, you go, okay, show up to work on time for a month straight and I'll give you a raise. Can't do it. Always got an excuse. Dog ate the alarm clock. Right? You want me to trust you with more, but you're not being trustworthy. You follow me? Here's the thing. Everything that God touches grows. Right? So you start out making $25,000 a year. Just say. You start making $25,000 a year. You're faithful to pay your bills. You live within your means. You don't spend more than what you need to. You don't have credit cards that you're maxing out to get what you want right now. You've got all these of your tithing. Okay? Then what happens? Maybe a year, a little time goes by. God increases you at work. You're faithful to be a good worker. A good worker. One that represents God. You're learning at work. You're working hard at work. You show up on time. You do your thing. You're, you're being a good steward of what God's given you. Then here goes, this, this is what he does. Okay, he's trustworthy. Give him some more. And a little more time goes by, and so you've got an increase, right? And you're not getting consumed by the increase. And you're faithful, and you, you're diligent, and you're being a good steward. And God says, give him some more. And so, man, you keep on going and God starts laying your heart to give to so-and-so and give to this and give to that. And you become a generous person. You start giving, you're tithing, you're taking care of your business. God says, give him some more. That's what the word says. The word says if you're faithful in the little things, he will trust you with more. That means that you don't have to go get more yourself. He's going to trust you with it. Come on. I killed myself for nine years in business trying to get everything that I could physically get. And God was going, man, just sit back and be trustworthy with what I've given you and let me increase you. But no, he didn't move fast enough for me. And I got myself in trouble. You getting this? Be faithful in the little things and he'll trust you with much. That's what I'm teaching my kids. The third way we can honor God with our finances is to be generous. First way is to seek financial wisdom, change some things in our lives. The second way is to be content. The third way is to be generous. And generosity is something else. Generosity will change you. Generosity will make people start talking about you. If, you, if you're tired of being off the gossip train, start giving. You'll get back on the train. First John three seventeen and 19 says this. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? 
Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. If you've got enough to live well, that's contentment. Be generous. Let me tell you what generosity does. Generosity proves some things about you. Number one, generosity proves that you belong to God. When you start giving, whether it's tithing in the church or you giving outside the church, when you start giving, it says to the world around you that you belong to God. The second thing it proves is that his love is inside of you. The third thing it says is that you love others more than yourself. Then it says that you're led by the Holy Spirit. You see, some people want to tell you how well they're led by the Holy Spirit. They want to tell you. I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. And I go, well, let me see it. Then I'm going to believe it. Right? I want to see some fruit in your life. I want to see that you're led by the Holy Spirit. Number five, it proves that you, that, that something has changed inside of you. And when you're generous, it proves that you are not selfish. You see, we should never have to defend ourselves and say, I'm not a selfish person. We should never have to say that I'm a Christian. We should never have to say and go out and try to prove ourselves to anybody. All we got to do is be generous, be who God's called us to be, be obedient in what he's called us to do. And it's going to prove it. Amen. Be generous. You know what generosity does? It breaks materialism in your life. I'm going to end with this last verse in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 9, starting at verse 10. I want you to hear this. And I'm going to let you go. Is that right? Oh, sorry. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. You see, God wants to use you. He wants to use your money. Your money was intended to be a tool, never to rule. Come on, somebody. It was meant to be a tool. Your money was meant to be in your tool bag, not in the throne of your heart. Right? It was never meant to lord over you. It was meant to be used by you. Come on. And God wants to use this ministry of giving to reach the world. Nothing says I love you than when you go and you give something to somebody. With no strings attached, no nothing attached. You just go and you just give and you say, I love you. God told me you needed this. Man, enjoy it. 
Can I tell you, that's one of the greatest feelings in the world when you go and you give something away to somebody who wasn't expecting it. There's nothing like when you're praying and having a quiet time with God and he says, you know what, I want you to go do this or go do that. And then you just step out in faith and you go do it and you see how it impacts somebody else's life. You know what just happened? You just impacted somebody with the gospel, with your tool, with your finances. Amen? God never wants us to be a slave to anything. He's given us wisdom. He's given us his word. He's put people in our lives to help us. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us, to be generous and content and wise. Amen? Can you stand up this morning? I just want to pray for you. Lord, I come to you right now, Father, and I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for every family represented here. Lord, I thank you that there's power in giving, Lord. There's power in contentment. There's power in wisdom, Lord. Help us to be people that are wise with the things that you've entrusted with us. Help us to be trustworthy, Lord, that you would trust us with more. Father, help us to be content and be able to say, you know what, that's enough. I'm good. And Lord, help us to be generous, a people that just generously give. We don't hold anything back, Father. And Lord, it becomes a daily routine to bless somebody with something, to do something, to give something, whether it's a time, a talent, or a treasure. And Lord, we learn how to give and be generous. Thank you that generosity proves things about us, Lord. That it says who we are. It says who we belong to. It says that we're different than this world. It says that we no longer belong to this world. But we belong to God. So Father, thank you for that. I bless you for that, Lord. I praise you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can you say amen?